Hi, this is Jim with the Crystal Beach String Band. When I'm in town, I listen to WMNF Tampa. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning to you, my dear friend. Yes, you, by golly. If there is anything better than starting my Monday with you, it's a mystery that I haven't been able to solve yet. And, as you know, there are more than 100 radio stations on your dial, so, saints be praised, words cannot express how much I appreciate you for keeping your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa for the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey, the best little radio station in the nation and the only radio station that they stream on Trail Famador. And you can stream us as well at WMNF.org. And as you know, the Healthy Steps Radio Show has no limits if you are willing to participate. Today is Ask Me Anything Monday. We are depending on you. You ask the quality questions because they originate in your heart and in your boundless curiosity. Do you have any medical questions or concerns? And I know that you do. Then you are encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663. Irene is sitting high in the control chair awaiting your call. And Irene, I thank you in advance. I love all that you do to help us here on the Monday shows. And you can also send an email to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning to you, Dr. Fred. It is always good to settle in for an exciting AMA Monday. So let's get started. What have you been cooking up for us today? Good morning, Bill, and hello, happy listeners. Glad to see you back here Monday. And uh, yeah, it's been... um, a really uh, interesting time. Um, continue to unravel the mold saga at my house and found out that um, the original two inspectors from the insurance company and the mold people didn't find the mold. And the third company did, and it is extensive. We'll talk about that in the future. It's going to be an ongoing saga. In the meantime, though, we have another ongoing saga. The Financial Drug Administration, otherwise known as the FDA, um, has been dithering for years about a substance that I have considered actually a safe and effective tool, but apparently it's not as effective as I thought. Um, so there's a decongestant called phenylephrine. It's in a lot of products and it does have effect, but, um, its effect is mainly when you use it as a nasal spray. Turns out that, um, uh, an FDA advisory panel. I think it is um, somewhere around um, uh, 20 to 30 years in the making. <laughs> this FDA uh, uh, advisory panel f- uh, looked at the data um, for years, like 50 to 60 years of data on this medication. And uh, what they found out is that essentially the ingredient taken orally is no better than placebo. I think it's really important um, because, you know, why would you take a toxin? Because, you know, all these synthetic things that don't occur in nature nor in human bodies, they're all toxins. 
And so why would you take a toxin that doesn't work? Well, because it's available for sale and the marketing tells you it works. That's the way marketing in the over-the-counter healthcare market works. And so we have an issue. Um, we have marketing going on for so, lots of products that have very scant information. You know, there's a lot of marketing for aspirin. There's very little um, information about aspirin because it came onto the market well before actual clinical research studies were needed to prove that something would be FDA approved. In fact, aspirin is not an FDA approved medication, but it's used everywhere. Phenylephrine, um, P-H-E-N-Y-L-E-P-H-R-I-N-E, phenylephrine, is similar to Sudafed. In fact, they call it Sudafed PE. And it's in at least 250 products. There's probably a 1.8 billion billion dollars in sales last year, including branded things like Sudafed sinus, Tylenol cold and flu severe, NyQuil severe cold and flu, Therapil, Theraflu severe cold relief, and Mucinex sinus max. All these things have it in there. One of the reasons they have it in there is because there's an issue with the other medication that's quite popular. It's called Sudafed, pseudoephedrine. And so... When this statement came out from the advisory committee that it should actually be removed from the market since it doesn't work in oral products, um, the um, Consumer Health Products Admi uh, Association, their, it's, their job is not to help consumers understand what's real. Their job is to help sell over-the-counter medications to consumers, and their statement is when it comes to consumers' needs, a recent national survey revealed that American adults repeatedly rely on oral PE because they recognize its benefits when they use it. Well, do they really? Do they really recognize its benefits when it's combined with three or four other things in sinus extreme from whatever company's making it? You know, there's a decongestant. There's also an antihistamine. Antihistamines dry people up and work on congestion too. So is it the antihistamine that's working? Mucinex might have some effect. There's all these other things in there that might have some effect. So are these people being diluted by a mix or are they really seeing it? Honestly, orally, they're probably not seeing it according to the research. Now, some people may because everybody's different. And you know, there's outliers. There's outliers that will get effect, but the bulk of the people get no effect. So they're spending money on something that really doesn't work. And it actually adds uh, a toxic medicine that the body has to actually metabolize. The reason this is happening, pseudo, uh, phenylephrine is the only oral, this is according to the consumer sales wing of the pharmaceutical companies, Phenylephrine is the only oral non-prescription medicine for nasal congestion available without purchase restrictions. The behind-the-counter option, pseudoephedrine uh, or Sudafed, is not as accessible for all consumers due to sales restrictions and varying purchase laws in the sale of this drug. And the reason that's happening is because pseudoephedrine, Sudafed, that can be turned into meth. And we have a meth problem. And so the availability of pseudoephedrine is very restricted. This is not a new problem, though. Um, a Dr. Hatton unearthed memos to the FDA from the 1960s and 70s and found out that the original approval studies had not been peer reviewed. They were just stuff that the drug companies threw together and said, hey, look, this stuff works. Let's do it. And, you know, that was the FDA's approach for years. Sharing Plow, S-C-H-E-R-I-N-G-P-L-O-U-G-H. They make a lot of this stuff. They make Claritin D, but they also make pseudoephedrine. And they also make phenylephrine, 
they're one of the big ones trying to keep this thing on the market. But <laughs> here's the, here's the bombshell. It's like uh, going on trial uh, on um, on uh, uh, Meet the Press instead of in the courtroom. These guys actually were in a courtroom and they made a, or they were in the FDA and they made a statement saying that Claritin D containing pseudoephedrine made a statement to the FDA that they studied its rival, phenylephrine, and found it had no effect. So the people that are trying to keep phenylephrine on the market made a statement to the FDA that it has no effect. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> so um, another doctor, this guy, I believe, is from the University of Florida. He's been working on this for years. Um, and he's been prodding the Food and Drug Administration to reject a decongestant in cold medicines uh, when Bill Clinton was in office. And his advocacy culminated freaking 25 years later <laughs> when it concluded that the decongestant, a common ingredient in this is ineffective. Um, but, you know, experts say it works in the nasal sprays. It really does. It helps to open up your uh, uh, nose and hopes it helps to open up the eustachian tube so your ears aren't blocked. Great in nasal form. But... Concerned about losing sales, the companies with the medicines um, uh, containing the popular meth additive turned to the last option, phenylephrine. And one of their uh, um, lackeys <laughs> in a post apparently on Twitter, um, Dr. Gottlieb used to be an agency commissioner. And, you know, being an FDA agency commissioner means that you're in the revolving door between pharma and the agency so you can keep promoting pharma's interests. He called the panel's decision a shame. <laughs> <laughs> a shame. And you know why? Because the current FDA director approved an, a, de a dementia drug that doesn't work because somebody might want to buy it. So the shame that Dr. Gottlieb is talking, talking about here is a shame that the profiteers can't keep making profit off of something that doesn't work. He says now there may be no good, cheap, accessible options. Well, it's not cheap. If it doesn't work, that's expensive. What's this guy talking about? <laughs> he thinks it's premature to say that it doesn't work except for the first evidence that it doesn't work was presented to the FDA in 1993. 1993, that's 30 years ago. This guy is, whoa, he's way out of line. And I want to keep things back in line here just to remind people that we are on Tampa's favorite radio station, WMNF 88.5. The best little radio station in the nation, I might add. And you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. And I've got Irene, Irene in the control room waiting to take your call. So give us a call at 813-239-9663. And the topic is very simple. It's anything you want to ask. This is Ask Me Anything Monday. It's sort of a pop quiz for Dr. Fred. You can also send emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Looking forward to your calls. Back to you there, Doc. Well, thank you, Bill. I just think it's really fun to watch how the industry plays the um, uh, public with surveys. Oh, people want this. Well, who cares if they want it if it doesn't work? You're the reason they want it is cuz you've marketed it. <laughs> so, um in reality, we're looking at um uh the the standard. I mean, this is this is the uh capitalistic healthcare market or actually illness care marketplace standard. I mean, we don't have a healthcare system. We don't even have an illness care system. We have a marketplace. It's a capitalist marketplace, and profiteering off of suffering is the focus of this marketplace because we don't have 
anything to rein in the profiteers. We just started considering that. You know, um, the Biden administration is actually putting the fire to the feet of the pharma industry and making them come to negotiate with Medicare. We're the only country in the planet that pays 100 times more for medicine than anywhere else. We're just being used and it's time to stop the being used. Um, farm, uh, you know, industry owns America. You know, it used to be a, a, a representative republic that represented actually citizens. Now it represents corporations and the rich citizens that own the corporations. It's a really interesting, um, um, difference here. No longer are the interests of the American public being served by the American government, the interests of the American corporation, which is a much bigger citizen. You know, they have so much more money and money actually shows your worth as a citizen in this country. And so since you have more money, you can buy more services and you can thwart other people's attempts to get services and you can game the system so you can continue to make the profit. Like, you know, Amy Goodman's show was actually really, really good um, uh, today in that they mentioned to us that um, we're having a problem with oil. As if we didn't notice. And yet our government continues to subsidize oil companies. My tax dollars go to pay for profits on insurance company stock so that they can continue raping the environment and raping us. It's really an interesting model. I don't know how our government's officials think it works, except that they must be getting paid really well to do this. And the same way they're getting paid really well to approve medications that don't work or want to keep medications that don't work on the market so that people can buy stuff that doesn't work. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, the issue I see here is that we need to have more activism. And all those people outside the UN are being great activists, but each of us can actually do something about this. When we write to the FDA commissioner to say, what the heck are you doing? When we write to our congressman and say, please put pressure on the FDA to stop responding to pharma and respond to us. It's a real issue. And so, once again, I just like to prompt people. We are a call-in show, and we don't have any callers yet. So I'll uh, let Bill answer or uh, announce, and then come back to some email. Well, I'm going to jump on in on that word activism. We need to have people get a little bit uh, participatory here. This is for you today and every day. This is the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, the best little radio station in the nation. Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. I hate to be begging, but just want to hear from you today. I love you out there. Give me a call. 813-239-9663. Back to you, Dr. Fred. Very good. Well, here's an email, and um, this is from Mike in St. Pete. Hey, Doc, thanks for the show. I'm dealing with herniated disc, lower back, laying on a hard floor seems to help. Yes, actually, that can. Um, elevating the legs while you're laying on the hard floor can help, too. Uh, put them up on a, a chair, like just let your calves rest on the chair and just get into that like lying back seated position. Takes a lot of pressure off. 
but there are a lot of things you can do about um, low back pain. Um, there are McKenzie extension exercises and Williams flexion exercises. Uh, these can be actually uh, uh, guided, you know, by a physical therapist or um, uh, a, a physiatrist to help you find the right exercise for you. But um, low back pain often has to do with emotions too. When we have um, um, a lot of um, stress, a lot of anger, this gets stored in our low back and doing some meditation can help to unwind that. Magnesium is a great mineral that helps with muscle relaxation and magnesium glycinate is a relaxing form of the magnesium. And that could be a useful tool. Um, combination of herbs, um, relaxing herbs is a wonderful formula. Many chiropractors use called Formula 303. It's got some um, valerian root, I believe, and some passion flower and some hops and things like that that are very muscle calming and mind calming. So you can move that pain along. But, uh, you know, you may need some, uh, something more, a little bit more, um, um, in the terms of, um, uh, if it, if it is a herniated disc, you may have some nerve inflammation and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can help that. But curcumin and boswellia are good anti-inflammatories as is fish oil. All these things can help to calm down, uh, inflammation in the area. So there's some things you could try. And um, I think we have a caller on the line. We actually seem to have three callers lining on Beautiful. up. I've got Valerie from Gulfport to lead us on off, but I'm not going to let you all listeners out there off easy. I'm going to give you the phone number one more time to give us a call and get in the queue and let Irene line you on up to talk with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Give us a call at 813-239-9663. Good morning to you there, Valerie. Hi there. Um, Hi. I had called a couple months ago, and I have osteoporosis at age 65, and even though I'm very active, and you suggested that I get more protein in my diet, and I just don't like to eat a lot of meat. It's not that I'm really a vegetarian, but I've started taking collagen peptides from grass-fed, pasture-raised beef, and I noticed that each, each scoop contains nine grams of protein and i'm taking two to four scoops a day and i'm wondering if i could is protein protein i mean in terms of when i'm thinking about my total protein intake for the day is does that count yes all all amino acids are the structural building blocks of protein and so when you take peptides those are short chains of amino acids full proteins are much longer chains than peptides and so anytime you take amino acids, you're taking the building blocks you need for your protein structure. Um, so the rule of thumb uh, for somebody who has osteoporosis uh, would be minimum um, half of your body weight in pounds in grams of protein per day. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you need 50 grams of protein. If you weigh 150 pounds, you need 75 grams of protein. That's en enough to start rebuilding. Uh you might even want to get more than a half. You might even want to go as high as three quarters of uh, your body weight in pounds in protein grams because okay. you're really needing to build and your body is metabolizing everywhere and every every day you lose part of your gut lining and that has to be replaced and so it's very protein intensive to do body maintenance on your gut especially if you're abusing it. Mm -hmm. um, and what would be what would constitute abusing your gut like 
No, drinking yeah, drinking more than an ounce of alcohol a day, eating gluten if you're gluten sensitive, um, uh, eating uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or other things like that, being stressed out, um, having right. a bad microbiome, yeah. eating McDonald's food right. or burger yeah. burger doodle food. Right, most of that I don't do, but I do still eat bread. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to do things one at a time so that I can notice if a certain thing has an effect. Because you know, I figured if I just stop sugar, stop stop completely. I mean, I've, I've reduced sugar significantly, but if I just you know stop everything all at once, I won't know what what it is that's actually having the effect. So I'm starting with yeah, it sure, because I've been. I've been having, you know, muscle and joint pain, and I've noticed the college, and even though it's been probably only a month that I've been doing it, it's already starting to help with that. Well, if you have muscle and joint pain, do you have blonde hair or blue eyes? No, I do not. Dark. Dark. And I okay, don't have good. A lot. I don't have a lot. Good. My mother, my, my, my mother had really bad osteoporosis and arthritis, and I'm just, I've got a few joints that when I wake up, oh, they don't want to, the finger doesn't want to straighten up. And it's a little well, then with those, with those symptoms, I would get rid of gluten and dairy today and you'll, your, your joints will be happier. Okay. Seriously. Okay. All right. Have, a, well, have good luck with that. Valerie, keep us posted. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. I've got um, another faithful listener and caller, Ryan on the line, and then followed by Rick and Renita. Let's go to Ryan. Good morning to you, Ryan. Yeah, hey guys. Um, Hello. You know, when I when I when I hear you talk about emotional stress and pain, I never hear you talk about breath work, and I'm really disappointed. Yes, you do. And I'm gonna hang up. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. You should listen more often because I do talk about breath work. And thank you, Ryan, because I know you love breath work. And keep going with it because you always remind my listeners that breath work is foundational. Okie doke. And let's go to Rick in St. Pete. And again, thanks, uh, Ryan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, good morning, doctor. Um, hey. My question is, um, so about seven years ago, I got the Shingrick vaccine. Uh, one of my coworkers, it, he got it into his face, and he almost lost an eye from it. So um, I got the Shingrick vaccine, and now I'm reading that it wanes after about five years that you should get the vaccine again. It's, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but what are your thoughts on, on the Shingrix vaccine and when, when should you get it and how many times? Um, well, I think that um, what the guidelines tell us is that they want you to repeat the shot because they think that the efficacy wanes after a certain time. Um, it's it's different for every individual, and it's so hard to tell whether yours waned at two years or it wane at 22 years. But they're given an average guess of five or seven years. And um, if you haven't had a shingles in the five or seven years, um, maybe you're not going to get one. It's a gamble you can take. Um, the um, uh nature of shingles is that if you recognize it on that first day or two and treat it, you're likely going to have a really good course with it. If you have immunosuppression, it's likely you're going to have a bad course with it. And it may be a good idea to then to go ahead and get the shot. Um, but uh, um, I don't have a specific recommendation for you as I'm not treating you, but those are some general ideas about it. Your immunity is going to be your immunity and you might have 25 years of immunity from that shot, or you might have two, you might have two months. It may never even take. Well, okay. Um, 
so, so let me ask you, if I was to get these symptoms of uh, Shingrix, and you, you're talking about treating it, what, can I get the shot right away? Would that help? or how? No, the shot, is, the shot is prevention. It's a vaccine for, for prevention. The treatment is um, a uh, medication called valacyclovir, and it's branded as Valtrex, and it works nearly immediately. So if you recognize that you're getting the bumpy, painful rash, that day you start on the medication. And um, if you can't get into your doctor, go to a walk-in clinic and wait until you get the prescription because you got to start at that first or second day to get the effect. And then you can also start things like curcumin. Take high doses of curcumin extract, like 500 milligrams of a 95% curcuminoid extract three times a day. You might get a little uh, bit of gastrointestinal upset taking that much, but it is going to reduce the inflammation. High doses of omega-3 fatty acids, like 4,000 milligrams, also calm it down. Um, you can take antiviral preparations. There's lots of herbal things out there like Andrographis, Isatis, Baptisia. And you can also take homeopathic remedies. Um, the uh, uh, homeopathic remedy, um, oh, I'm blanking on it right now. It's the, it's, it's, uh, um, the one that is for um, poison ivy. Um, is actually, because the rash is so similar, it has a similar effect for shingles. So there's all kinds of things you can do. Calamine? Immediately on calamine? Oh, calamine also, yeah. Calamine just calms it down and gives you some relief. It dries it up. Uh, even just um, uh, uh, zinc oxide um, um, uh, cream. Uh, these things will dry it out. But it, it is uh, um, definitely a, 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 a illness you want to treat immediately if you do get it. Oh, okay. Well, um, thank you so much, doctor. Uh, I appreciate the uh, all the information you give. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Rick. All right, let's go on off to Renita. Good morning to you, Renita, and welcome back. Good morning. Hi, Renita. And get you to turn off your phone. I mean, the uh, radio, please. We may have to move on to Chris. Yeah, let's go on to Chris. I'll put Renita on hold there. Good morning, Chris. Hi, doctor. Um, I just emailed you. Uh, I don't know if you got the chance to look at it. I just wanted to ask your uh, opinion of uh, the new COVID shot that was just approved uh, last week. Um, the CDC uh, only tested 20 mice. I know you're critical of the last time they tested on 23 mice. Um, of course, there's no control group, no humans were tested. And uh, I don't know how they can get away with it without uh, with the emergency um, ended, you know, HHS ended the uh, national emergency. Uh, so um, I'm just uh, really kind of shocked, you know, that it's also uh, only 3% of new COVID cases as of uh, the weekend of September 2nd. So it's a quickly uh, going extinct if it's not already. Um, and I uh, just wanted to ask your comment, what, what, you, said, what you feel about that. Uh, you know, maybe folks would think that because it's uh, mRNA, it, it's okay. But, uh, you know, you have um, the mRNA, uh, one of the mRNA inventors, Dr. Robert Ballone, who, who uh, discourages all, all the uh, mRNA shots. And I wanted to ask what you thought. Well, um, as my listeners have heard, thank you, Chris, for bringing that up. Um, there's all kinds of interesting things um, um, showing up about the uh, pandemic that isn't. Um, in the news again, and FDA and CDC are beginning again the the uh, fear tactics and um, and and scare tactics. Um, 
you know, it's really, it's really interesting. I, I read a lot of uh, articles about this, obviously, and and I'm I'm watching academicians talk about how it is um, a shot that's made for a prior variety, as you've mentioned. Uh, it is waning. There's very little of it. Three percent, I think, of all infections are currently uh, of the 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 um, um, variant that this shot is supposedly addressing. Now, we do know that there is. Uh, a, a a sort of cross reactivity because the 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 virus is very similar. However, um, we also know that anybody who's had COVID has great immunity. Anybody that's had prior shots likely has great immunity. Um, as far as as much support as they seem to need, according to what the statistics show across the board in what I have seen in published data, that you will actually not die if you've had COVID and survived. If you've had shots. And and you've had COVID, you're even in better shape. But anybody in, in this situation is not likely going to die because that's what the shots have done for them. That's what the infection from the COVID has done. So anybody who's not in a risk group, and I've mentioned those before, probably doesn't need another shot, especially for this. And why would you ever give it to a six-month-old unless they're in a risk group? And very few of them are in risk groups. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to be doing this, despite the fact they're recommending it. I, I don't see a benefit based on what we're trying to achieve, and that is no death and no serious illness. Well, that's already kind of been achieved, and people in the six to twelve, six month to twelve year old age group don't really have a lot of serious illness. It's very, very, very rare. So the entire push for more vaccines is odd, especially when it's one that's not associated with the current variant circulating. I, I don't know why they're doing it. I'm not sure what they're attempting to achieve here. Thanks for putting that out, Chris. There's another interesting thing that came up, too. I'll just mention it here before I move on, is that um, the FDA is refusing to change its anti-ivermectin statements after the court ruled that they were wrong. An appears, appeals court overruled a lower court judgment that the FDA had authority to tell people to stop using it. The appeals court said there's nothing in the FDA's documents that gives it authority to tell you to stop treating and it, it can't practice medicine. Doctors practice medicine and doctors use off-label medications all the time and they're offensive, disgusting, ridiculous statement. You are not a horse, you are not a cow. Serious, y'all, stop it. When it came to that um, uh, Twitter X post from the FDA webpage, it was disgusting. It was this diminishing to many academics, especially to the academic that patented um, uh, and dis discovered and patented ivermectin. He got a Nobel Prize for this brilliant medication that actually does reduce mortality by 70% with 91% confidence. Think about that. Western medicine accepts that ivermectin doesn't work because it didn't achieve 95% confidence that the results were not random. They got 91% confidence that there's a 70% reduction in mortality. They're letting people die because they're telling people not to use ivermectin. What's the problem here? Costs like 20 bucks to treat it. Enough said. We have more callers. Yes, we do. I've got Christina. Uh, let's go and see how she's doing. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, uh Doctor, I've called a few times but uh, about some of my illnesses, but today I'm calling for someone else. Um, my cousin is 49 years old, and he was diagnosed a little less than a year ago with colon cancer. They found it early, which is great, and they thought they had gotten everything out. And then uh, about a month ago, they just were running a routine CAT scan and found three masses on his liver, 
luckily they're each less than a a centimeter big, and he doesn't have to have any surgery. They don't think he's going to have any surgery, so he's undergoing chemotherapy. Um, My question is, is there anything he can do for himself health-wise, naturally, um, since chemo is so tough on the body, and also to hopefully uh, maybe even keep the the cancer at bay to keep it from coming back again? Sure. One of the simplest things anybody who's on chemo could do is get some L-glutamine powder. L-glutamine has no flavor and dissolves very instantly in water. L-glutamine is the principal amino acid that supports your gut lining. During chemo, you tend to actually have damage to the gut lining. And so using the glutamine, um, say a teaspoon of it in a couple ounces of water, four times a day, actually helps to soothe the lining of the gut and really help it rebuild. So it will help your body uh, prevent some breakdown from the chemo. Um, There's a homeopathic remedy that I love called drainage. Drainage uh, is designed to tell your organs of detox to dump toxins. So drainage won't interfere with chemotherapy and using that on a daily basis during chemo can really help to reduce the amount of toxicity in your system. And vitamin C IVs have been shown to support people during chemotherapy and also to help suppress cancer growth. Intravenous vitamin C is used by a lot of nutritional doctors and I think it would be a good idea to consider some IV vitamin C during that. In fact, Linus Pauling um, and a physician, I'm blanking on his name, published in the mid-70s a treatise on the use of intravenous vitamin C in cancer. And one of their cases was somebody who had metastatic colon cancer. And they lost follow-up to him after five years of ongoing therapy in which he alternated chemotherapy and vitamin C IVs. I can guarantee you that your oncologist or your cousin's oncologist will throw uh, apoplectic fits when you mention intravenous vitamin C during chemotherapy, because obviously it will be horribly interfering with the cancer or with the therapy, according to the oncologist. However, when you look at the National Institutes of Health website, it actually states that it's enhancing and it works and it's not a problem and it doesn't interfere. And that's what Linus Pauling found in the mid 70s. Why this was suppressed, you'll have to ask the oncology companies. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, as far as the vitamin C, is that also this intravenous vitamin C good for people who don't have cancer but want to prevent it if maybe they have some, you know, autoimmune issues and they just want to stay healthy in general? Yeah, I think it can be good, but I think it's uh, uh, cheaper, easier, and less invasive to actually just take some uh, good uh, support, like make sure you're getting your eight organic vegetable servings a day and take a pill of um, um, nuclear regulatory factor two activator, NRF2 activator has four very key substances in it that tell your body to get rid of cancer, curcumin from turmeric, green tea extract called epigallocatechin gallate, otherwise known as EGCG, and resveratrin. Um, that would be resveratrol um, uh, or terostilbene. Um, both of those are, are very powerful um, anti-cancer agents. And then finally, uh, sulforaphane from broccoli or other brassicas. Uh, those four together tell the cancer to leave. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Harvey. Have a wonderful You're day. You're welcome. You too. And um, I've got um, Kim and Ted on the line, and I'm also going to go to Renita in a minute, but I'm going to give on out the phone number one more time. You're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, and our phone number is 813-239-9663. 
Irene's waiting to take your call and give us an email at dj at wmnf.org or continue texting us at 813-433-0885. And back to a shot at Renita. Good morning to you. Hello, Renita. Okay, let's go to Kim in Lakeland. Good morning, Kim. Hi. Hello. Uh, hi, I've never called into something like this before. My husband listens, and he, he's the one who told me that you were on. I, um, I've been diagnosed with MGA, uh, the monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. Yes. And I just don't know. Am I destined to go down the road of myeloma, multiple myeloma? having this? That's a very good question. Um, uh, MGUS, uh, that is uh, my, monoclonal gammopathy of unknown significance. And okay. monoclonal means that you have antibodies made by one line of uh, uh, cells, um, specifically uh, B cells in your uh, bone marrow. And the um, these are lymphocytes, and lymphocytes get reactive for a variety of different reasons. And our genetics predispose us to certain ways of dealing with this. Some people who have this develop a cancer called multiple myeloma, which is um, a, a cancer of these antibody-producing cells. And I have followed, I believe now, three people with MGUS, and none of them have progressed on to multiple myeloma. We've done some <laughs> interesting things for them. And, and those have included looking at a specific test called a lymphocyte reactivity test. Specifically, the one I use is um, developed by a Dr. Jaffe. And it's called the ELISA-ACT test, E-L-I-S-A slash A-C-T. This test is the gold standard for this type of testing. There are several others on the market, but they don't require the rigorous setup prior to actually obtaining the laboratory specimen that is required to get the ELISA Act. When we do the ELISA Act, we actually get to see what substances the lymphocytes in your body react to. And the production of antibodies is a reaction. So what we do is find these reactive substances and have you avoid them. It could be anything from gluten to FDA or FDC number 40 red. And we can test for many different things. I think the most it tests for is something like 495 substances. But um, I think it's an important look at your immune system that will really help guide what would be uh, a next step in calming down this process. That, that really sounds great. <laughs> Where do I go to get this done? <laughs> well, you can look up the ELISA ACT test online and see who around would order it. You could uh, Google Functional Medicine Florida and see what's done there. You could actually look at Institute for Functional Medicine and uh, uh, see if they have some doctors that could help. But I'd say it's going to be a functional medicine doctor. Um, I've not seen many even allergy doctors do this test because it's not an allergy test. It's a reactivity test and allergy versus um, um, uh, reactivity are, are definitively different. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've had, they they found a, a mass on my small intestine, and they biopsied it once and didn't, came back and said, no. <laughs> I lost you there. What did they tell you the biopsy showed? <laughs> I have two great days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no. <laughs> and somebody just pulled up outside the house. <laughs> oh, they're going nuts. <laughs> anyway, um, the small the small mass apparently had uh, grown slightly. But what what is the mass, though? They came back and said it was necrotic adipose. Oh. So, uh, that, that when they biopsied it, but like I said, it's since grown. So now they're trying to decide. They've given me a PET um, scan. and. Well, uh, I, would, I would get working on reactivity if I were you. Try and calm down the body. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Sorry about the dogs. <laughs> no problem. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Not to worry about it, Kim. We love dogs around here. Okay, let's go to Ted. Good morning, Ted. Hello. Hi, Ted. Hi. Uh, my question is, okay, I've had a problem with my, for some odd reason, my thumbnails and my big toenails only. My rest of my nails are fine. They're dying off, and it's like a red, a redness that comes from the cuticle all the way up. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know if this could be from some toxins, or it could possibly be, I've never been diagnosed, but maybe some type of thyroid issue. Cause I've heard so what did your dermatologist or your primary care doctor say? Uh, I, I talked to one, the dermatologist, oh, that's a fungus. They're not even looking at it, you know. I said, no, this this is different. It's not a nail fungus. Uh, I'm, I'm almost positive of that. I mean, mm. but I, you know, I, I really don't know. That's what this, that was my question for you. I, well, without seeing it, it's hard to tell. And so on my differential is number one, nail fungus. Number two, um, uh, autoimmune problems. Um, um, psoriasis can kill your nails. So I would go with um, fungus or psoriasis first without knowing anything. And then see a doctor and get some further testing. Yeah, yeah. I just had to get a better doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Though. No, I, I just heard that was one of the side effects is the vertical serrations in your nails. Uh-huh. That, uh, that was, you know, uh, and, you know, it's just like stunt nail growth in those certain nails and, and it's, you know, not painful or anything. It was just, you know, yeah, it's just hard to tell without seeing them and without doing any other uh, further evaluation. Right, right. Okay, very good. That is my question. Okay, have a great day. Good luck with I that. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. All righty. I've got um, Greg from Sarasota on the line here. Hang on. Hey there, Greg. Good morning. Um, I've had a problem for the last Oh, probably six months. I wake up dizzy. You know, after a couple hours of sleep, I'm so dizzy I have to, you know, get up, sit up, and usually spend the rest of the night in a chair. I can't lay back down without. Uh, I can go to sleep, but I wake up even dizzier. And if I stay, try to make myself stay in bed. You know, 
force you know force myself to keep my eyes closed, then my day is really miserable. I, I you know I'm I, I'm dizzy all day. I'm, How long has this I'm, been going on? This has been going on about six months. I do mm. have a mast cell disorder. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but um, mast cell disorder. Yes. Yeah, it could because uh, histamine is uh, uh, a stimulant. It brings up uh, adrenaline so it can disrupt your sleep. But another question for me is if you have mast cell disorder, your nose gets plugged. Uh, are you having sleep apnea? I do have sleep apnea. I sleep, I sleep, I sleep with the CPAP machine, yes. So is it is it working? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I can't sleep without it. So you have had your oxygen levels at night checked while using the CPAP machine? Uh, yes. I mean, I've, I've had overnight sleep studies, so I assume they're doing that as well, yes. Yeah. So when was the last time you had your oxygen checked during your sleep? Um, it's probably been a year. Okay. A year. And you actually had a full sleep study then? Yes, I've had a couple, but yeah, a year ago I had a full sleep study. Oh, good. Okay. So it's probably, it's likely your masks, mask works, but I think it'd be worth looking into. Um, another thing that can cause dizziness is uh, mycotoxins. If you have mold in your house and you're sleeping, you could be getting dizzy because you're sleeping in the mold. Um, I know because I personally have experienced that. Interesting. And I just moved out of a house that I know was really moldy. I mean, if I go yep. for days, you can actually see it on the furniture when I come back. You know, So you may actually want to contact a laboratory or a doctor to help you with this. Real-time labs in Texas actually is the only company that has a FDA uh, uh, approved and patented lab that specifically looks for the mycotoxins in your body. And I would recommend you get it looked at because really? it's likely that's what's going on with you. Oh, um, where in Texas? I think the, t the town is called Carrollton. Okay. But you're going to need a, a doctor to order it, so um, you'll need to connect with another functional medicine doctor or somebody who's interested in mold. Okay, great. Yeah, so that that may just be the thing. I mean, I'm not. I just moved, and I'm not feeling any better in the new house. But uh, it takes it takes a couple months for you to begin to step it down. Plus, if your body holds on to the mold and doesn't eliminate it well, you can have this for years. Got ya. Got ya. Well, that's really. That's why. That's why you need a doctor to help you get it out of you. You need somebody to evaluate what, what next, if it's in there. That's very interesting. I really, really appreciate it. I'll, I'll get on it. Thank you so much. Glad to help. Okay, bye. All right. I've got Lynn from Palm Harbor on the line, but I'm going to make her wait patiently just a second. We're down to about the last nine minutes, and I'm going to give on out the number one more time. It's 813-239-9663 for the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. So, um, hello. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Absolutely. What have you got for Good. us today? So, um, my physical therapist, who is a doctor, said that she got a um, newsletter or something from the Florida Department of Health that said that the rise in autoimmunity is it's very high now and it's cute. Yes? Seem to be breaking on up there, Lynn. 
I think we lost you, Lynn. Lynn you're breaking Hello. on up. Hello there. Again. Hello? Hello, Lynn. Hi. Can you hear me now? Now we can't hear you. Okay. Um. So the autoimmune, um, they're attributing it to, like, long COVID or something? Well, can you- there's, there's a... There's definitely a, uh, a lot more reported autoimmune problems. There are many different causes for it. And one of the overarching syndromes that goes with this that kind of points to all these things is a chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Lyme can cause it. Mold can cause it. COVID can cause it. COVID shots can cause it. There are many different reasons you can get this chronic inflammatory problem. Um, and it can present and look like autoimmune disease, and it can actually become a full-blown autoimmune disease. Um, the it's documented that the COVID shots, which produce spike protein, induce this problem. It's documented that COVID will do this. The reason it's happening is that people are toxic. And this is the thing that our supposed experts are not addressing. Humans in America are some of the most toxic people on the planet because we're fed non-food substances that are foisted upon us as food. When you look at the things that have, um, uh, uh, what is it, TBHT or QBHT or uh, all these different preservatives in it, uh, artificial colors, artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners. Um, all these things contribute to the level of poison in our body. Propylene glycol is not an appropriate food additive, but it shows up in things. Um, there are so many toxins in our systems that start at youth. All of our kids are exposed to fragrances that they shouldn't be. Um, I go on my walk in the morning and I smell this nasty gain or tide or whatever this stuff coming out of people's dryers, this toxic swill that they're causing hormone disruption and autoimmune triggering with these things. Uh, this is why America is uh, obese too, because these chemicals cause obesity and obesity is one of the reasons you get bad COVID. And so, Americans are set up as a testing ground for seeing how sick we can get people and then seeing if we can create enough poison chemicals to treat the sicknesses that we create with the poisons that we feed them. How's that for a description of how we live here? Thank you for commenting on that. <laughs> Quite welcome. Um, so the best thing for you to do is look at the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 Eat from that list of foods that's uh, the best way to avoid poisons in your food. The Dirty Dozen sick food. That includes apples, peaches, tomatoes, kale, spinach, uh, hot peppers. You need to eat them organic or you're eating poisons. And then the clean 15 is the ones that really rarely have poisons on them, like fresh sweet corn and um, um, bananas because they don't spray them. So there's lots of different things you can do out there. But if you do that and you eat eight servings of vegetables a day and fruits, you're going to be on your road to health. Thank you, doctor, for all you do. You're so welcome. All right, we're down to the last few minutes here, and I've got Mary. So, Mary, let's wrap this on up. Hey, Mary. Hello. Hi. What you got for me? I have got, I've been diagnosed with mycosis fungoid, and I've oh. got three left nodes that have lit up. So far, I've been given the Valfor nitrate mustard and the light therapy. The Valfor, it, it came packaged as dangerous drugs. And yes, hang on, Mary. Hang on, Mary. Let me help my, my listeners here. Um, 
mycosis fungoides. It sounds like it might be something to do with mold, but actually it's not. It's actually a, a, a lymphocyte, T lymphocyte lymphoma of the skin. Right. And, and so um, this is a reactive illness. It's almost like you have an infection. Your body's responding to the infection. Well, I don't know what it could be. I'm a pretty healthy woman. I'm not. A- right. I'm, I'm not saying you do have one. It's like that. This is the immune system responding like the woman who had MGUS I just talked about. I think you're a candidate to get the ELISA ACT test, E-L-I-S-A-A-C-T. Um, and the reason I say that is that you have a T cell lymphoma and T cells are triggered by the things that are showing up on that test. So if you do that test and you take away the triggers, you actually can benefit this overall illness. In the meantime, though, you're dealing with chemotherapy and it's poison and you need support. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do anything but natural. So the test is E-L-I-S-A-S-A-T-E? A-C-T, ELISA ACT, A-C-T. And on that note, my dear, uh, I love you. I wish you best of luck with that, but we're down to the wire here. And so I want to answer one email. And um, it, uh, it goes back to the first story that I was talking about. Um, hi, Dr. Fred. I rinse, when I get congestion, I rinse my sinuses with a saline solution. Yes, a neti pot, a, a saline spray. This is one of the options you have for dealing with it. That and some antihistamines and some natural stuff like N-acetylcysteine and nettles root. There's all kinds of good things you can do for your sinuses. You don't need Sudafed PE. Next week, we're back to Ask Me Anything. Again, I'm going to be holding off on a, uh, a another guest until I get my mold situation controlled. And in the meantime, I want to thank... Bill, again, you do a lovely job there on the boards. And Irene, thanks for fielding the phones. Uh, thanks for all the volunteers at WMNF. And hey, everybody who loves this show, remember, we got a tip jar. And the fall campaign's coming up, so come on and tip it early so we can get this thing done. All right, and I want to thank you as well, Dr. Harvey, for another exquisite show. And before we put this to bed, I want to thank our listeners as well. Say, take care. Stay healthy. And Irene, thank you again for all that you do for making this show successful. Y'all take care. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR news and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.